On today's episode, things are heating up and Jason Mills and I are about to burn. This is The Hard Move. Hello and welcome to The Hard Move, a Powered by the Apocalypse discussion podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Gravelin, and today I am joined by my guest, Jason Mills. Jason, how you doing? I'm doing great. Awesome. So uh, we uh, we started talking a little while ago after I watched some of your actual plays. It sounds like um, you guys have done quite a, a breadth of different PBTA games, yeah? Oh, yeah. A bunch of different PBTAs, although the uh, the Happy Jacks channel does a bunch of other kind of games, too, like uh, more like old school trad games, traditional games, um, pretty, pretty broad uh, a pool to dip from there. Yeah. Um, so as you mentioned, you're from Happy Jacks RPG, um, which is an amazing channel for um, RPG content. Um, you want to tell the listeners uh, where else they might know you from? Uh, sure. Uh, you may have been following some of my game development. Uh, I'm working on a game, a PBTA game called Demigods, and um, that's had a fair amount of conversation online here and there, and it's been a really exciting process. Yeah, I uh, we've we've talked about it a little bit, and I'm looking forward to uh, doing a playtest session of that at some point in the near future. Awesome. All right. Well, Jason, let's just jump right into it and have you name our move. Cool. Um, I'm looking at the uh, the move called Burn. Uh, it's from Masks, and specifically, it's from the playbook called The Nova. Yeah, this um, I I got I'll be honest. I got a little confused when I first looked at it because it it's the only move in the uh-huh. Nova playbook. Um, which I'm like that can't be right. So I I just did a little looking around and then I was just like, okay, this is going to be another one of those weird ones that we really have to like dive into. So um, I'll I'll start here. I'll just read the move as written and then we'll unpack all of the options and choices that go along with it. So burn reads, when you charge up your powers, roll plus conditions you currently have marked. On a hit, hold three burn. On a seven to nine, mark a condition. On a miss, hold two burn and mark three conditions. Spend your burn on your flares. You lose all burn at the end of the scene. So this move also has what what are called flares, and there are 10 options. And when you create a Nova, you get to choose four of them to start with. And then it looks like there are two advancement options to unlock three flares each. So theoretically, after two advancements, you could have all 10 of these unlocked. Right. Um, For a little more context, the Nova is basically... um, as kind of close to like a god character as you can get. Think like Jean Grey... um, you know, Dark Phoenix unlocked level of power, right? Like Magneto marveling over the level of power here. Yeah, just barely under control. Right, exactly. And I think that that's very well represented in this economy of conditions, um, which we talked about conditions a little bit um, a couple episodes ago when we talked about masks. Um, As a recap, conditions are effectively 
how damage is resolved in masks, uh, being that these are all superheroes, there's no like one for one points of damage or HP. Instead, you get conditions. Um, the conditions are afraid, angry, guilty, hopeless, and insecure, and they give you a negative two to specific moves when you have them. So conditions are bad. To the Nova, though, conditions are what allow you more opportunities to succeed on what is effectively your signature move, which is wild. Yeah, it's what's fun for me is this. So Masks was actually my very first PBTA game. And um, my friends have wanted me to try it and play it out. And so looking at a bunch of playbooks like this and then seeing the Nova, which really stands out even within Masks, it, it really blew my mind uh, the, the way this move fits together. Yeah. Um, and then for a little more context, um, one of the Nova playbook creation um, steps is to kind of choose how you affect the world around you. And the six options listed here are telekinesis and telepathy, biokinesis, gravity manipulation, sorcery, elemental control, and cosmic energies. So that choice right off the bat really determines narratively how all of these things are going to play out, which we'll talk about in a little while. Um, But again, as I mentioned when you start a Nova, you only get to choose four of the ten flares. So between that and your ability source, you're really making a lot of decisions uh, about what kind of character this is going to be very early on. Um, do you think that that helps in terms of giving the player guidance, or is it a fine line between limiting yourself? Uh, I think... In my experience, I've seen it be really helpful because people will look at the Nova playbook and think, wow, this this concept of the almost out of control, you know, teenage superhero is a really cool concept. How do I step into this and know that I'm not going to just unbalance the game? Because that's not it's not fun to be the player on either end of a super unbalanced character, uh, I think. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, so I think before we step into mechanics, I do want to quickly read through um, and summarize the 10 flares here. So again, the move itself for burn is to generate hold in the form of burn and then spend them on the flares. The flares are what's actually going to be the move. So in essence, you do have a lot more moves. It's just all under this umbrella. So Uh, The first one is Reality Storm. You channel Destructive Burst. uh, Spend one burn to directly engage a threat using your powers, rolling Freak instead of Danger. Um, Similarly, there's Shielding, so you can defend somebody uh, using Freak instead of Savior. So these two seem obvious. It's just doing things that you would normally do, but using your Freak instead, which is, again, your weird, supernatural, otherworldly abilities. Um, then we get into some weird ones. We have construct. Uh, you can spend a burn to create an object, uh, up to the size of a person and you can spend an additional burn to animate it independently of yourself. And then it'll, it's almost, uh, almost kind of a green lantern feel to that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Take all of like the, like the super like manipulator characters that, you know, and mash them together. And it's like, you, you could be any one of those by picking by your choices here. Um, Okay, so we have Moat, Spend a Burn to Create a Barrier. Um, This is, I think there's a little section later that 
goes over the difference in intention between this and shielding. This is not defending somebody. This is to, um, defending someone's kind of like in the moment. This is to like create a preemptive barrier. Um, worship, uh, which when I read that, that was weird. Um, but you put out a, dis- a tremendous display of might. You spend a burn to awe the audience into silence, respect, and attention when you unleash your powers. Um, so in addition to the unleash your powers role, you can, you also get one of these effects. Yeah. Um, I, I love that they, they lean into the idea of this character sort of reveling in, um, in, in the audience, so to speak. Yeah. Well, that's, that's exactly what I took from the, the word of it was this could just be, you are so powerful that people can't help, but be odd. But it also, like you mentioned, leans into maybe that's part of the character's, um, whole whole shtick is that they're doing it on purpose yeah all right we have move spend one burn to move to any place you choose within the scene uh you can spend a second uh, burn to move to any place you've previously been um and they say that this can be anything from teleportation to super speed to anything again this this can be influenced by your um your ability type that you chose at the beginning of the nova um but really this is just super movement uh boost spend a burn to supercharge a teammate giving them plus one bonus to their role as if you had spent team um so again supporter you can create you know super powered weapons or lift people up and throw them i mean it narratively the sky's the limit here yeah uh overcharge Channel the full capacity of your incredible powers to overcome an obstacle, reshape your environment, or extend your senses. Spend two burn to take a 10 plus when you unleash your powers. So um, unleash your powers was the move we discussed, um, or I discussed with Abria uh, in episode one. And again, that's that's a super interesting move and allowing yourself to take this move ahead of time to guarantee a 10 plus on unleash your powers could be super important and super interesting to a story if you can guarantee that 10 plus. Yeah, definitely. Uh, okay, elemental awareness. Spend a burn and mark a condition to open up your mind. Uh, you can ask the GM any one question about the world around you and they will answer it. Um You'll gain information, but you'll also add a condition, which, again, is as I mentioned, kind of ramps up the success rate of burn, which is, uh, again, a very thin tightrope of wanting to have enough conditions, but not once you get five, you get knocked out of a scene. So you want to you want to tread carefully. Yeah. Uh, the last one is snatch. Spend a burn to use your powers to seize any one object up to the size of a person from someone within view. Again, very open ended, just using your powers to uh, take something away from somebody or secure something within a scene. Um, so that's a lot. Yeah. And, <laughs> and you get to choose any you get to choose four of them at the beginning of the game. That's what your Nova plays with. Um, now, as soon as you advance, you could immediately choose to add three more flare, and then on a second advancement could choose to add another three flare. I, I don't know if having all 10 right out of the gate or quickly out of the gate is actually super interesting or important, especially with all the other advancements on here. Um, what is, what's your take on number of flare? Do you want more flares? Um, I like the, like, seven feels like the right number. 
Okay. Right. So that first advance, I usually would go for that that extra three. But okay. I also I love the fact that these these ten flares don't feel like they belong to the same character. You know, mm-hmm. like there are a bunch where I would do I don't know move boost overcharge like those those feel like they go together. But I don't think those go with shielding or moat or or concert. Like maybe your character concept does. But I yeah. I like I really love the fact that that they don't all feel like they're part of the same concept. Yeah. Um, like you mentioned, shielding, moat, and constructs kind of feel like they might be part of a similar character. Um, reality Storm and Worship and Overcharge could be one character. Like, it's really easy to see combinations of these moves um, or these flair that could just kind of build a character for you. Um which I think I think what's daunting to me is it's kind of reverse, right? I wanna I, I generally have a idea what my character's gonna be, and I need to like I I wanna choose these flair to support that. And they're kinda asking you to do it in a reverse order. They're writing out the specifics without telling you really how to create like I wanna be a Green Lantern character, I wanna be a Dark Phoenix character, I wanna be a whatever character, which of these flares should I take for that? Yeah, yeah. I, I think you can kind of come at it from either way. Like, I, I remember the first time I saw the move uh, Flare, I thought, oh, dang, that's a really cool idea. Like, and and the whole concept that, you know, and I saw, okay, spend a, spend a burn to, you know, use one of your Flares. And then some of them are, you know, well, spend one burn to, for the privilege of changing your, you know, directly engage a threat ability. Uh, and then other ones, uh, I love the idea that in some of them you can spend one for this and then an extra one for that, mm-hmm. or this one just straight up costs two burn and they just they created this really flexible economy versus yeah. thinking, okay, all of this has to cost one, we have to make all of them equal, and that just doesn't have to be the case. Yeah, and, and we've we've talked about this burn economy. It is there's a lot of paperwork here and what looks like a lot of math here. I feel like I haven't even played it yet, but I already feel like this would be a lot easier to use in practice than it looks like on paper. Um, yeah, it's it's one of those things that's easier to play than to explain. All right. <laughs> all right. Um, okay, so before we move on to the, the kind of hard mechanics of it, I would like to ask you um, to to choose your favorite favorite baby here. Which of which of the 10 flair do you personally find the most interesting to play? Uh, I'm, I'm going to go back to the move. Um, I've always loved Tempers. uh, Nightcrawler's one of my big time favorites. And, and the idea that, that the move, uh, flare could be used like that is mm-hmm. just, just feels super cool to me. Yeah, definitely. All right. Okay. So let's talk about burn mechanically. Um, right at the get go, the, there's something different here. It's role plus conditions you currently have marked. So... Uh, also to note, there are five flare or sorry, five conditions. When you have marked all five, though, you are completely out of a scene, which is okay because the maximum you can add to a roll, I believe is plus four anyway. So those, that tipping point is clearly defined between four and five. Um, so you roll plus number of conditions you have marked when you go into a fight fresh, if you have no conditions, you're just basically rolling flat and more times than not, you're going to land in that seven to nine bucket and you will get three hold, but mark a condition. So 
the next time you roll burn, you'll have a better chance of getting the, the, you know, the 10 plus and not having to mark a condition. Um, so you'll probably generate, you know, one, two, maybe three conditions, and then hopefully you'll start rolling high, um, and, and not getting those extra conditions. Now, that being said, I believe elemental awareness is the only one that adds a condition straight up. And then mm-hmm. there's obviously getting conditions within the scene from taking harm and, and all that. Um, yeah, that you if you go balance. in with, sorry, if you go in with uh, reality storm, uh, you're just, you're using your engage a threat like normal, you just get to use a different stat. So that could then in turn lead to, uh, you know, trading harm, Mm -hmm. taking another condition. And uh, yeah, it can really stack up. Yeah. So you, you more than anybody as the Nova have to be very aware of your conditions. Um, And also um, really taking into account how to clear the conditions, Um, which let me double check uh, because we were, we were having, we were finding it hard to remember all of them off bat. Okay, so to clear angry, you have to hurt someone or break something important. To clear afraid, you have to run from something difficult. To clear guilty, you have to make a sacrifice to absolve your guilt. To clear hopeless, you have to fling yourself into easy relief. And to clear insecure, you have to take foolhardy action without talking to your team. So you need to internalize those five things. So you can make sure that you're gaining and clearing conditions to maintain an appropriate level for your move. Yeah, I I like that. And I'll say also on a couple separate occasions, I've seen the rest of the group sort of in, embrace their Nova in a way that it hasn't happened in every game that I've played. But they they embrace their Nova as like a you're you're our you know mega cannon and we have to take care of you not just because of that but also our characters care about each other and we see you kind of breaking down in this process and they'll use the basic move of comfort and support and really try to uh you know keep the nova from going uh supernova for lack of a better (laughs) phrase i like it yeah, I definitely. I think that's why I keep going back to you know the Jean Grey Dark Phoenix is mm-hmm. this could be played um, as a a descent into some kind of uncontrollable power. Uh, you also mentioned, especially with the worship move, this could be an intentional. Like they are a moth to a flame. They know what they're doing, and they they like it, and they want to be all powerful. And maybe they just don't recognize that um, that threat of of hitting the line and going overboard. Um, oh yeah, absolutely. So... And in the context of of a teenage superhero, that that, that is you know doubly tempting to mm-hmm. uh, you know travel down that path. Yeah, and another huge part of this game is the label shifting, and th- this this move and all of the the options built in here is just ripe for opportunity to shift labels by demonstrating amazing power or doing something superhuman um, mm-hmm. but also there's several options here that would contribute to your savior there are several things here that would contribute to um uh possibly even superior if you're you know doing stuff to like boost and kind of control the battlefield so 
I don't think it's a straight up like, oh, this is a freak character. Obviously, right. it's a freak character, but there there are op- options here to also shift other labels. Um, especially if you're not taking Reality Storm and Shielding, which are the two that really benefit from having a high freak label. If you're not doing either of those things, then you're not necessarily concerned with your freak. Your freak will be kind of a default thing because of how weird you are. But depending on the moves you take, that's kind of the labels that will just naturally be favored through that play. Yeah, I, I mean, you can, like you said, skip Reality Storm. You can still engage a threat. You're just going to use Danger instead of Freak, and you kind of have to split your um, your labels a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's a really interesting take on that, you know, when you have this character who is is so powerful and, you know, the whole concept of you have a burn this thing just automatically works. You know, you've you've paid into the economy of conditions. Mm-hmm. This thing is going to automatically work. But when you roll to engage a threat or you're going to defend someone, those are still dice rolls. And that's just a really interesting balancing to me. Yeah. Um, all right. Any Anything else mechanically? A lot of, I think, Reality Storm and Shielding have, like, mechanics and moves. I think a lot of this stuff really is doing something kind of narrative that then a move follows from. Yeah, I would agree. I think they tried really hard to take something that could have been super crunch, um, you know, the most complicated mechanic in masks and really tried to thread it through the, uh, the concept of the game, the, you know, the uh, vulnerability of the, the teenage superhero and and still feeling that, you know, not just turning into a Superman, uh, Silver Surfer, you know, invincible, mm-hmm. uh, can do anything, teen god sort of thing. Yeah, that's actually a really good point, too. And, you know, maybe the the absolute best segue into our narrative section is we keep saying that this character is all-powerful, which to some degree they are, but also... It is full of pitfalls and flaws and conditions and label switching. Um, You know, there's a lot going on here. I think when you first read this move, at least when I first read this move, it was just like, this is super unbalanced. Yeah, I had the exact same reaction. (laughs) But when you start really looking at how it plays with the rest of the mechanics of the game, A, a lot of this stuff is really narratively focused, which has no more or less, you know, balance issue than anything else anyone else is doing. But it all has other balanced moves that then take care of the balancing. So, oh yeah, I did a superhuman thing, but there's still, I mean, first of all, everybody in the story is superhuman. So, you know, that's not super unbalanced, but everything here is balanced by some other move or some other system within the game. And to cap it all off if you go too hardcore you just mark all your conditions and then you're out of the scene anyway so yep <laughs> you know there the, the game has a, a leash on you you know it may not feel like it at the time but there you do burn too many times and mark too many conditions you're going to find yourself in a in a corner um where not only do you have a bunch of other conditions um you know limiting your moves but you're on the precipice of knocking yourself out of a out of a scene yeah, I mean, almost every time you roll to charge up your powers, you're going to take at least one condition. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, you need a 10, 11, 12 to not mark a condition. On two six-sided dice, that's 
that's not a, a great chance. Um, maybe if you have a couple conditions mm -hmm. and you're ne now you get to add to your role, sure, the chance improves of getting a 10 plus, but mm -hmm. it's, um, yeah, you're just naturally going to keep increasing your conditions. And that is all part of the narrative, you know, rather than just saying, okay, you have five hit points in this game. It's, it's, well, which one are you going to mark? Do you feel guilty based on mm -hmm. what just happened? Are you afraid of this enemy? Uh, does this thing seem even, you know, bigger than your, uh, powers that seemed invincible? You know, are you feeling hopeless or insecure? It's just, I, I, at first, I think why I like this move so much is the first time I read it, I thought, oh, this is, this is ridiculous. Like, I, yeah, like, why is this even in this game? It doesn't fit. It doesn't make sense. And then really getting to, you know, digging into it, it's, I don't know, it just quickly became one of my favorites. Yeah. It, if nothing else, it is one of the most interesting PBTA moves that I've ever seen. Yeah, I haven't seen a lot of moves where you, you know, uh, you, you know, pay your economy in advance, and then you have this sense of like, cool, I can just automatically do this thing I want to do. But there's also a cost associated with it, and and the way that they somehow mastered that economy is has just been. Uh, I, I'm I'm a huge fan of how they accomplished that. Yeah, the closest thing it feels like to me um, is a lot of wizards and and spellcasters, um, especially the the one out of Urban Shadows. It is really just like you have spellcast. Your move is spellcasting. Now, yeah, the interesting parts come from all of your other selections in terms of. Um, you know, your spells or, or your slots or whatever. And I think this is in that same ballpark. But again, it, it isn't all just 10 of the exact same move with a different, you know, bold text and a different right. stat. Like they are, there are a couple of those, but it is primarily about, like you said, you just do a thing and you can choose to spend an additional burn to do it even better. And I, again, I think that goes back to this, character having some amount of control over the world around them mm -hmm. yeah all right um so narratively and we kind of touched on this before there's kind of these subgroups of flair that allow you to kind of direct your character to be different ways so offensive characters could take reality storm could take overcharge might want to take worship as you know a, a thing that you could do um move obviously could be used in an aggressive way. Um, mm -hmm. And then defensively, shielding, moat, um, constructs to some degree. Uh, there's also an, an assistive version of this. You know, you have boost and you have elemental awareness and snatch that allow you to understand and manipulate the battlefield in some way, which uh, could be used for assistive purposes and could be used for selfish purposes. It really... Yeah, I mean, the... The Nova Buffer build is, you know, just to put it in sort of MMO terms, mm -hmm. uh, it, it seems counterintuitive. Like, oh, you're like the Nova has so much amazing potential to be the offense character, but it's it can also be so interesting, which is another pitfall that they avoided. Uh, where this this could have been, like, I don't know, the mega powerful character always feels kind of boring to me. You know, like that's eh, cool. You could do whatever you want. All right whatever <laughs> but but the idea that you can um 
you know, kind of swerve this character into uh, that person who desperately wants to be part of the team or even the team leader and wants to help everyone out and is, is you know, practically uh, burning themselves up to be that person. And it's, it's just such a cool concept. Yeah, for sure. And I think that also can be narratively spun as a character who is afraid of their own powers. So they are oh, not yeah. going to directly do anything. So they're going to kind of downplay their power to give somebody else the boost um which i think is really interesting because boost is effectively a way to make somebody else do a really amazing thing which could in essence change their labels yeah yeah Yeah. and i think it's interesting that it um completely bypasses the the team economy which you know without getting completely sidetracked you know that team economy is that thing that says yes cool we're all working together everyone agrees yeah take a bump to that role because that's you know that's definitely what we all want to accomplish mm-hmm. and the nova has the ability to just generate that out of nothing and yeah. you know be that solo support person yeah absolutely and i think you know if you as i mentioned this is a very wide open and kind of daunting move. But if you kind of give into that, you know, if this is your first time playing masks and you really have no idea, maybe you're not into comic books or superheroes and you're playing this because your friends want you to play it. Picking this and then just like picking four random moves here that just sound interesting to you and then building the character off of that, you don't need to know anything about superheroes. Like if you understand how teenagers behave in in a sense and you check four of these boxes i guarantee you, you'll come up with a very interesting superhero oh dang that's really fun next time i do this i'm gonna roll 4d10 there and you just go. pick random powers uh oh man i've never that sounds like a really fun way to play this <laughs> it's a superhero generator yeah yeah oh Love that'd it. be that'd be a riot all right um any any final thoughts on how this move works narratively uh, I, th- I think we've covered it. All right. So I think the so the last section is how the GM responds to this move. And again, I think there are certain types of GMs who are also going to feel daunted by this move because of how potentially powerful and potentially wide open it can be. Um, uh, namely, DMs who or GMs who really like to write out a bunch of stuff and really plan this is how a boss fight's going to go, etc., and the Nova's just going to come in and, and say, no, nah, I take that wall apart. Yeah, exactly. You have somebody who can immediately go to anywhere they can see mm-hmm. or, um, you know, block off any part of the the zone that makes sense to them or create some object that's going to replicate the MacGuffin that you needed to get through, you know, whatever the challenge was. Um, yep. Yeah. Or just straight up, you know, using overcharge to get a 10 plus on Unleash Your Powers. I mean, you mm-hmm. could effectively, you could have almost literally do anything. Yeah. Um, which is, as a GM, you could fight against this. Or what I believe to be, again, one of the core tenets of a PBTA game is to be a fan of the players. The only way the GM and the Nova are going to get along is if the GM just leans into it and says, yes, yes, you take it apart 
And I just need to roll with that and still make sure that the story is interesting for the Nova and everybody else. Because it's going to be tough to keep saying no to the Nova. I I couldn't agree more. Um, And, you know, one of the things as as a, you know, MC in this game uh, on more than one occasion, um, I've, I've, you know, wrestled with how to deal with this. And then there are a couple little cues to me that said, you know, that was, um, you know, uh, Brendan, you know, the authors of Masks um, kind of giving you a clue of what to do. Um, One is if you, you know, dial all the way back to unleash your powers, um, that move means you, you know, use your abilities in some way. But what it isn't is the adult move in this game that is called wield your powers. Yes. Right. So there can always, always, always be the collateral damage, the um, you know, the unintended consequences. Even when you you did the move and you went to exactly where you meant to be, well, guess what? There there was a tripwire. There was a something. You know, like this. There is a way to move it forward. Like this doesn't have to stall out your storyline. I think the other little clue that you get is buried in moat. And um, and it says, you know, the GM may call for you to spend another burn if the barrier is threatened by particularly powerful enemies. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I take that to suggest that you have the flexibility to do that with most of these abilities. Um, you know, if you want to spend your move to get behind this barrier that another super is is holding up. Um, maybe you do need to burn to get through there. And, you know, if it makes sense to everybody at the table, being flexible enough to do that, I, I think is a really fun way to be a fan and see what happens um, at the same time. Yeah, I like that. And I kind of I kind of wish that would have just been put into that second line that says spend your burn on your flares. There, mm-hmm. there could have just been like the DM, sorry, the GM keep, can have discretion about what might require more burn. So it's not, mm-hmm. again, it's not the GM can tell you no, the GM can just tell you that it's more intensive than it than you think it is. Yeah, and I think also um, the, the last clue is elemental awareness, um, spend a burn, and mark a condition. You know, you, you can do that situationally. You know, the, the GM can... Um, use a hard move at any point to have you mark a condition. And I think, uh, you know, opening yourself up to this kind of situation on, on a miss, you still get to hold two burn. You have to mm-hmm. mark three conditions and the GM is going to get a hard move. That's what's not listed there. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, if you need to announce a future badness of like, oh, hey, yeah, you charge up your burn and guess what? You can feel that that barrier over there, you're not going to be able to move through it. Your, your move power, you can bounce all over that barrier, but that that uh, energy field is impassable to you, you know, something like that. Yeah, I think that's that's a good call out, too, is um, setting up in advance mm-hmm. what is and is not allowed or allowed is not the right word. What is and is not possible with some of these moves when they roll the burn. So yeah. If you yeah, know, it, it just feels it feels yucky to suddenly go, oh, crap, this move is circumventing all of my, you know, plot point ideas. Mm-hmm. I just have to say no, like, no, you don't want to do that. But if yeah. you set up uh, kind of pre agreed upon, uh, you know, parameters, then, OK, cool. Now this is a challenge that we have to work around and not just a surprise no from the GM. 
Right, which is never fun or interesting. Ugh, yuck. <laughs> um, and I think taking that back a step further also is if you as the GM and the player who's the Nova, um, you should get together and talk about like how the GM is going to respond to this and how the Nova wants to play this. And just get on that same page really early on. So if the GM wants to exercise more uh, discretion with spending burn, and making sure the Nova knows that up front or oh, vice versa, yeah, totally. hearing from the player that I'm not okay with that. Like if you, if you do that, I'm not going to play the Nova, just come to some agreement. You know, uh, obviously like there's got to be a, a place where you can still play the Nova and the GM will still run the game and everyone will be happy. But again, mm-hmm. I think taking the extra time with this particular playbook to have that conversation up front will make sure that everybody, the GM isn't feeling super, you know, uh, minimized in their power. And the Nova, likewise, is also not feeling limited arbitrarily. Yeah, I I should have said that. When, um, if I'm going to take that cue from Moat and maybe ask you to spend an extra burn, um, I definitely talk with the player ahead of time. And I really, I I feel for the GMs out there who are like, I, I don't understand how to come to terms with these players who are, you know, uh, bending rules or, or coming at me with stuff I'd, I hadn't, you know, thought was part of this. And all, all I could say is exactly what you were saying is talk, talk, talk. you you got to talk to your players, talk to your GM, make sure you're on the same page with expectations. And then it all fits together. And if somebody breaks the expectations at that point, then you got to go have another conversation. And, yeah. you know, we're all humans and we just got to be able to talk to each other. Yeah, and I think there's probably a tendency to assume that this player is just the kind of traditional disruptive player and respond to them in that way and they are not the the nova is a disruptive playbook by Mm -hmm. design so treat that with the best of intentions the nova is not here to screw with your game the nova is just doing what the nova does so yeah it's all about conversations i agree yeah and it's it's tricky to make that distinction sometimes you know exactly the the concept of being a disruptive playbook is different from being a disruptive player because the playbook tells the gm right up front hey this person is barely under control they're Mm -hmm. wild you know they're they're gonna do stuff that they didn't mean to do make sure the player understands that you know make make sure that they're you know you don't have pinpoint accuracy that you're gonna you know, swing wild sometimes because your power is barely in check. You know, that it, as long as everybody understands that context, it's it's going to be a lot more fun because having that wild card on the field is an incredibly fun component to your story. Yeah, totally agree. All right, Jason, any final thoughts on Burn? Uh no, I, I can't think of anything else. I just, I love the idea of kind of double economy of uh, conditions plus flares, trying to balance all of that. And the way that that can drive uh, Novas to manage their conditions and drive the team to manage the Nova is just uh, just priceless to me. Yeah, sounds awesome. All right. Uh, is there any projects or channels or anything you'd like to uh draw our listeners attention to uh yeah there's there's one in particular that i would be to not mention um a shameless plug of my game demigods 
Uh, you can find it at demigodspbta.com and sign up for the mailing list there. And there'll be a bunch of other stuff on that website eventually. <laughs> but um, that's where the, uh, the beta test documents that they go out to the mailing list. And uh, we're about to release version three of the beta test probably at the end of October. And it's, uh, it's been a really fun process. It's been through a lot of playtesting. I still love getting more feedback. I just got feedback this week that I had not thought of after almost a year and a half of playtesting. So that, um, you know, that is still an, an open arena to conversations in. Perfect. All right. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening. Again, my guest was uh, Jason Mills, and we hope to see you again soon. The Hard Move is hosted and produced by Matthew Gravelin. You can follow the show on Twitter at The Hard Move. The intro music is by Nick Gravelin. You can find more of his work at nickgravelin.com. Content featured in this episode is from Masks by Brendan Conway. For more information, visit magpiegames.com. Magpie Games.